Don't forget to get to hit the record button. Yep, that way it's already doing. We're one minute out. There we go. It's recording. Yeah, we'll all be good. Be good to go this time around. Yeah. Everybody Wayne Chung tonight. <laughs> right. Everybody's balloon is turned on and the mutate button is pushed. Everybody Wayne Chung tonight. Everybody have fun. So what y'all think of that Super Bowl? I didn't even watch it. I didn't watch it either. I went over to my dad's and watched it. I enjoyed it. It wasn't like well, it was one of the first football games I've sat with Judah and watched, and he asked a lot of questions and stuff. So that helped make it uh, more fun. Was kind of yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, I was you know kind of wanting uh, Brady to win anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> it looked like was, it was a good game, but well. Uh, not really. It was a rough game for Mahomes. I don't. It was like his offensive line hated him or something, man. They well, they let a bunch of sacks through that shouldn't have been. But I will say I was impressed with his ability to scramble and still, a lot of times get a ball off in the general right direction and close to someone. So he's. Oh, he's that was just somebody had. He gets a little more experience on down the road. Yeah, it was. He was great. If somebody would call it at the other end. Yeah. <laughs> There's like two different times he bounced it off the uh, face of the uh, person. They just missed it. And like, bam, right off their yeah. All right. Kansas is going to have to, they're going to have to draft them some defensive. All right. We, we ready for a show? We're, we're at that time. So. Yeah, we're here. Okay. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to get into your word. Discuss your word and to let your Holy Spirit speak to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, it was hot. Yes, it was. It was hot. And Everybody say hot, hot, hot. Everybody. We will. Yeah. But anyway, hey, it's better than it not being there. Now, with that right. being said, welcome to Scripture Talk. We are continuing on as... Uh, Lots of babies being born. Pastors out on paternity leave. We have uh, Tim and Emily in our uh, congregation have had their little miracle baby, and it's just uh, awesome. We are, uh, as a congregation, being fruitful and multiplying. But you know, we're we're here tonight to continue on with our scripture talk. And uh, I'm uh, Pastor Scott Ketchot, and with me, as always, go Sister Brandy. Sister Brandy Dudley, how are y'all doing this evening? Oh, Stacy. AC Tyler, what's up, people? All right. Well, the verse for today's uh, episode is found in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, and we'll be taking a look at verses 2 through 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. 
he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Wow. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, this is a really awesome verse about what's going on. And I just, you know, I can't, I can't imagine how encouraging and just awe-inspiring this was for Peter, James, and John. I mean, it says that they were terrified. They didn't know how to react. And we're going to get into some of that. But, you know, I, I like to look at Peter, James, and John's relationship with Jesus. You know, often a lot of people say that, you know, Jesus, you know, took these three aside because they were the closest to him because he does this on this and other occasions and more than likely that this is a very probable reason for doing so uh but scripture doesn't actually say and so i kind of like to laugh and joke and you know and it might not necessarily be that they were the special favorites of the lord but could also because these are the three that's most likely to get into trouble. And so he's keeping them close so he can keep an eye on them. <laughs> yeah, I like to look at them as best friends. His BFFs, they got to go with him everywhere he goes. And when it's, it's something special for him to go down, I got to bring my BFFs with me. Right. Uh, so what we have here, they, they, they go up, they're going on a little mountain getaway with Jesus. And, you know, they're this isn't the first time they've been away. And, and, and a matter of fact, um, if you look back in uh, a little bit before this, uh, Mark 8, uh, 31, uh, you know, Jesus has been teaching them about the things that he's going to suffer and all of that. And so there's no telling what's in their mind, but there definitely wasn't what they were expecting. You know, we, we get up there and it says that Jesus is transfigured. Now, we need to understand that this is not just a bright light shining on Jesus. This isn't a light coming on Jesus from the outside. The the word transfigured describes a change on the outside that comes from the inside. This Mm -hmm. is the opposite of the word masquerade, which is an outward change that does not come from within. And so, you know, we we may look at that and go, "How, how did this happen? You know, reality of it this is this isn't a new miracle this is really when we understand who jesus was and is this is just a temporary pause of the ongoing miracle the real miracle was that jesus creator god of all the universe could keep from displaying his glory all the time you know that shows what he was putting aside because, you know, for Christ to be glorious is much a much smaller matter than it is for God to restrain and hide his glory. You know, it's forever his glory that he concealed his glory. You know, this rich power that he set that aside to become human. You know, that's what's really the amazing miracle is that all of that, which was not even revealed there in the transfiguration, all of his glory, but that all of that was kept concealed the majority of the time anyway. This is confirmation, too, that Jesus is the light 
of the world. I mean, he outshines the S-U-N being the S-O-N of light. And I like the way that Mark describes how bright and white it was in that moment. Said in verse three, his clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. So he's out doing Clorox. He's out doing OxyClean. <laughs> Cause I just got to finish, I just finished up washing the communion linen from uh, yesterday. We got some grape juice on it. So I had to put some bleach, had to put some OxyClean on it, the spray and the powder. And it came out white as snow. But Jesus is out doing both of them. His, he, he, is, he is the light. And, and like you said, coming from the inside out, so that, that's a, a glory that I don't know how long he's been in ministry up to this point, but it's been concealed in him. Is that to come out for a minute. Let me show you what I got going on inside of me. So Jesus trying to shout it out, huh? Right? Ah, <laughs> uh, like that. Talking about uh, let it shine, let it shine. This is a lot of mine. Jesus said, you want to see a little bit of light? I got you. And the timing of it has to be amazing for them. As I'd already mentioned, he's been talking to them about the cross and about the fact that, you know, he's been telling his disciples, this is the way he's going. Now, we understand because we've read more of it. And we look back that they didn't fully grasp, but He's been also telling them that they spiritually are going to have to follow in the way of the cross. That's earlier, Mark 8, 34 through 38. And so it would have been very easy for them to lose confidence in Jesus with such you know, negative type statements or being going, well, what do you mean you're going to die and we have to do this? I, I don't understand. But here he is letting for a moment that veil be open to see. You know, I, I think back of that time when uh, it was Elijah and one of his uh, helpers with him, and they were looking at the army, and the, you know, the, guy, the one guy was a little worried, and Elijah just said, Lord, open his eyes for him to see. And that which was always there in the spiritual was revealed to that guy, and he saw that the army that was with them was much greater than what was against them. And in the same way, that which was always present, the glory of Jesus, was revealed for a moment to them to show this is who Jesus is. And also in a dramatic way showing that cross bearers will also be glory receivers because the goal isn't the cross. The cross is the path to the goal and the goal is the glory of God. Right. You know, we, we have Elijah and Moses pop up here with him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, who knows what all that means? You know, you do have Moses, who was the bringer of the law. Uh, you, you know, and, and so in some ways, I've heard people say that maybe Moses represents those who die and go to glory. Whereas Elijah, who was taken up in a special way, might represent those who are going to be caught up to heaven without death when that second coming uh, happens. You know? Well, I also heard, too. Uh, even though it's not written in the Bible of what they actually discussed for that brief moment that they were there, that I have heard that they came to minister to Jesus and get him ready for what he's about to go through, that uh, Moses represents the law and Elijah the prophets, that, yeah, that, yeah, that they're, uh, he's come together to fulfill the, the law and the prophets, and they were ministering to him about what he was going to go through. And like I said, it doesn't say that in the Bible what they were talking about, 
but we want to, we, we, it would be nice if we would know uh, what they were discussing. But uh, right. to, to have them there, the great, the great ones of law and profit talking to their creator, that's an amazing feat. Yeah. Uh, over in Luke, uh, Luke 9, 31, where it has the same story. It does give a short, brief thing about it saying that they spake, uh, spoke about, um, you know, what, what he's going to accomplish in Jerusalem. So, you know what, you're, you're, it's uh, fair to say that that is what was being discussed. And another great thing about this, of why you're not just administered to Jesus, but also, yet again, to show the disciples the truth of the resurrection. Hey, I've been talking to you about dying. Hey, I'm, that's not going to be the end of it. You know, hey, look, I am full of glory, but not just that. Here's Moses who would have, had, they would have known, had died something like uh, 1,400 years before Elijah, somewhere around 900 years uh, before. Here they are conversing with Jesus, alive and well. And, uh, you know, it's just, what a, what a testimony to the reality of, hey, there's more beyond this mortal realm. And this is what I'm offering for you. And then our, our poor Peter. I love Peter. I love Peter because, you know, I, in some ways I'm, I'm like Peter. Peter's this open-hearted, bold, enthusiastic individual. Uh, you know, there's, there's just something very lovable about Peter. And, you know, we need more Peters in today's church. They kind of, they can be rash and impulsive, uh, but there's fire in them. And uh, they help keep things going. And uh, poor Peter, you know, he just don't know when to just be silent. You know, and uh, you, know, you know, I mean, I can I can imagine Peter thinking, now "See, this is what I'm talking about. Not all that death stuff. This, this glory. Let's just build us some tabernacles and just hang out up here with you in yeah. this form all the time." <laughs> no, it's like he didn't know what to do. He was so elated and excited, <laughs> frankly excited. Like that's the best you can do, Peter. Is, Let's make you a tent. You know, so, <laughs> and you're like me. Uh, if, if my best friend does something spectacular, I'm like, uh, let me fix you a plate of food or something. I mean, not anything, dude. It is funny because it says that they were, you know, terrified. They were afraid. And so he was just, you know, he's one of those people that obviously just start talking when he's scared to try to put, put up a thing. You know, I'm not going to just sit here. I'm going to. We're going to try to make something happen. And, you know, in, in some ways, you know, we can laugh and we can joke and say he's foolish because, you know, hey, let's build three tabernacles. He's kind of putting you on the same level as Moses and Elijah, which shows that they had still were reaching to grasp exactly the fullness. The reality of it is, man, I, might, I probably would have said something even dumber. I mean, who, who, who knows? Uh, because... When you are come face to face with the glory of God, your mind is just wow. Yeah, it's dumbfounded. You really don't have the words to say when you see something miraculously done by God. You are dumbstruck. And it's it's to a fault because, dude, when God does something spectacular, he leaves you speechless. Yeah. So so what comes on your mouth? I'm gonna make you a tent. <laughs> <laughs> And, and here's something else that that shows us, you know, I, um, you know, in the presence of God's glory, isn't necessarily 
always a pleasant experience. Mm-hmm. It's never a bad, it's never a unhelpful experience, but it can be scary. Every time an angel showed up, they talk about people falling on their faces, you know, and so sometimes the glory of God is shown in the way that he corrects us and this pops up. And so when we really come face to face with that, we, we're undone. We, we don't know how to react. I think very much uh, in, in uh, you know, Stacy and I was, was talking about C.S. Lewis and uh, some of his books uh, on Sunday. And uh, in, uh, I don't remember which one of them it is, but there's a place where there, I think it's in the uh, line of the Witch and the Wardrobe, where uh, mm-hmm. you know, Aslan, who is used to represent Jesus in the stories, you know, they ask about, you know, uh, is he safe? And one of the girls about to meet uh, Aslan, is he, you know, is he safe? So she asks, is he tame? You know, is he tame? Is yeah. He safe? They're like, no, he's not a tame lion, but, but you're going to be okay. You know, (laughs) you're right to be afraid. You know, it talks about the fear of the Lord being the beginning of wisdom. Now, this is is that that uh, a helpful respect and understanding, not like, oh, my gosh, he's going to kill me. But it's it's there. And, and, And what came, you know, it says the cloud overshadowed them. You know, and this that again, especially with Moses there, those Jewish boys would have been going, oh man, this is the Shekinah. Yeah. This is, you know, this is that pillar of cloud that stood by Israel in the wilderness. Yeah. Out of glory that God spoke to Israel from up on the mountain. And it has to be running through the head. We're on a mountaintop. The glory is here. The glory that met with Moses and others. It's a cloud of glory that stood by the door of the tabernacle. It might even be why Peter starts thinking about tabernacle. You know, because he's just reaching for something of what did they do in the past when this was that kind of game. It was a tabernacle that he rested in. You know, it, that cloud, yeah. this is God's glory. This is just amazing. And then out of that, the voice. <laughs> that surround sound, Dolby 3.0. <laughs> the voice comes on. This is my son. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd be that whole, uh, you know, this is my son. You know, that whole time. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's it. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> they were just, they're just like, whoa. I mean, yeah. And so, wow. That whole, uh, that whole um, James Earl Jones, uh, yeah. General General Zamunda. Yeah. Oh. It's the, it's the same saying, this is CNN, this is my son. <laughs> this is my son now an interesting thing here um, you know this very very important to uh, catch I think um, you know uh, in, in today's society and world you know we have thousands of priests and pastors that kind of in the world say hear us you know l- listen to the words that we're saying but the reality that we should be doing is what's going on here even God the Father says about Jesus, hear him. Hear ye him. He's got a lot to say. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so many voices you know, are, are trying to get our attention in the world. You know, philosophies, modern theologies, you know, uh, old heresies being revived. Uh, you know, I, you know, going through some of the classes in seminary, here's some of these, these things I keep realizing that, you know, that's that different. Exactly. Ecclesiastes, uh, there's nothing new under the sun, 
really is true. You know, some of these things come up, they might be packaged a little bit different, but some of it drops back to Gnosticism and some of those mm-hmm. other things. And, you know, all of it is calling to us to get our eyes and our ears away from what the Father is saying, which is, hear Jesus. Listen to oh. Jesus. Well, Jerry, Pastor Jerry said best yesterday, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Yeah. That's, that sums it up. <laughs> exactly. And, and that's why so often that uh, people are okay with you talking about God in a general sense. They're okay with you having uh, spirituality. They understand that that's important. But when you start nailing it down specifically to Jesus and him being the way, the truth, the life, as Sister Brandy said earlier, the light of the world. Right. Then, 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 then they, they said, well, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Because that means that if all of that is true, then so is all the things he said. But those are the words of life. He is the words of life. See, he knows people like me going to need some visual aid. <laughs> and, and trying to figure out what is what because that just showed Peter, James, and John who Jesus really was. He wasn't just no ordinary prophet, no ordinary man. This is the real thing. This, this was the real person oh. in Jesus Christ. And he showed them this mountaintop experience mm-hmm. to show who he was to the world mm-hmm. and to them. So it's like it's equivalent to the Walter Emmaus. I know we mentioned that before on this show, but from my experience from the Walter Emmaus, I had a mountaintop experience like these three, that the light was shown to me during the walk to the point where I didn't want to come off the mountain. I wanted to be up there with Jesus and whoever else was up there with him at that time, but I had to come back down into the valley to do his work. But to be on that mountaintop with Jesus and him showing his light on you like that and his love on you like that, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but here's what's really awesome, uh, Randy. When the cloud left and the visible of seeing what had been revealed left, Jesus was still there. Mm-hmm. Impressive as that experience was, that experience isn't what really changed the lives of the disciples as much as being born again did. It was the everyday time that they spent with Jesus. And so really it's better for us to live near Christ and to spend time with Christ and enjoy his presence than to be overshadowed by a bright cloud, to have that one moment and, and nothing else. Because what he was showing is that this bright moment has been here all along. You've been walking with me all along. And it's here, even when you don't see it, because I'm here. And so when we go, like you said, back into the valley, back into the the drudgery of the day-to-day life, if we are in Christ, we're doing it with Jesus. And even if we don't see it, that's still the transfigured glory of God. God made manifest in Jesus is who is with us. But the part that gets me is when they were coming down from the mountain 
He told him, don't say a word to nobody about what you saw. <laughs> How right. can I keep quiet about that, Jesus? Right. And Jesus said that to people a lot. You know, he do certain miracles to tell them, don't go tell anybody. You know, and, and, and uh, you know, they wouldn't always listen. <laughs> so the crowds, it kept you from being able to openly go into cities anymore and stuff. But, but it seems, as far as we can tell by scripture, that Peter, James, and John did keep this to themselves. So at what point following the resurrection or when do they start letting the other disciples know? And be like, oh my gosh, we should have realized. I mean, I, mean, I could see Peter especially after the whole thing that he went through with the uh, denying of Jesus and the restoration. And then after the ascension, at some point, he had to be sitting around and going, Oh my gosh, why did I not get it? He even took us to the top of the mountain and showed us Elijah and Moses. <laughs> I have a question. So, so I have a question for you about that. So do you think when the, the Pharisees brought Jesus Christ before you know their little trial thing or whatever? And because uh, and I don't know how much of of uh because it's still not very scholared in the Bible, but uh, I remember seeing the movie. And them asking Jesus in the movie, "Well, oh, show us, show us your uh, your your so-called miracles." You know, like, like they were dismissing them as parlor tricks. Yeah. Uh, do you, I mean, do you think uh, the Pharisees in the back of their mind were like thinking maybe this guy does is the real deal, and we just gotta stop him or do they really think that he was just a a weird guy or 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 or, a, or, a, or a agent of the enemy there to turn everybody away from god looking at the evidence that's there in scripture throughout uh the new testament uh, we have to remember not all of the pharisees were against him. there were some who come to accepting them as the messiah uh, Jesus was not the you know, only one to come up to kind of become a leader, you know, and, and there'd been, and that was one of the things that uh, I think it was Gamaliel that uh, said to them, hey, this, if this isn't God, then like all the other uprisings, it'll go away on its own. But if it is of God, we'll find ourselves kicking against the goat. Uh, I also find an interesting thing, especially since we're sitting here talking about, you know, Moses showing up, is that that's what Pharaoh did when God showed the signs through Moses is he brought his uh, sorcerers up and they mimicked uh, these types of things to an extent until God just went above and beyond. And so when they kept asking, show us a miracle, show us a sign, he uh, just cut to the chase and said, you know, uh, I believe in generation asks for a sign, but only one sign will be given to you. And that's a sign of Jonah. And he was referring again to his death and resurrection because, you know, you know, when they're asking for a sign, prove to your God, that's kind of like, you know, God's saying, okay, I don't want this to sound sacrilegious, but kind of like, hold my beer. You want to see something? Nobody's <laughs> <laughs> done before. That's an interesting comment from uh, Ken Diesterhoff. He says, even if we are in the shadow of the valley of death, he is with us very much so because like when they came off the mountain, there still was Jesus. He was there ready for uh, to go with Peter, James, and John to 
finish up the, the mission that laid before them. So uh, as with me and all other believers that come off of that mountaintop experience and go back into the valley of the shadow of death, we still got a mission to do in fulfilling uh, the work of Christ on this earth. And I'm glad that Jesus is with us and his light shines in the midst of us so we can get through and get to the common goal. And that's to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Right. Uh, I, you know, as, as we mentioned uh, earlier, you know, the cross wasn't the end goal. The cross was the path to the goal, which is the glory of God. And uh, we, in following in his footsteps, take similar paths to reach the glory of God, to help others see the glory of God. And, you know, that's the whole point of the transfiguration is seeing yet again who Jesus really is and what we have access to because of the cross. And you're right, that mission, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. That's when it. When said and done, Jesus went right back down the mountain with me. Right. And I, I guess that's as good of a place as any to, to end as we go through uh, life understanding that whatever is in our way, we're not in it alone. We don't have to be in it alone. Jesus is with us. Uh, if you have any uh, feedback or would like to join the conversation, you can leave a comment here on Facebook. Uh, over on our YouTube page or on our website, palestinegrace.com slash video. Uh, you can email us at gracechurchpalestine at gmail.com. Don't forget, there is an audio-only version of this show available after the fact. Just search, search, and speak today. Just search Scripture Talk by Grace Church in your favorite podcast. Uh, and if you're on YouTube, don't forget to click like and subscribe exactly also go in peace to love and serve the lord and fear not stay well god is with us good night